Well, our sermon text for this morning comes from the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, chapter 34. And we're going to look at verses 11 through 16 today. So if you're able, I'd ask you to please rise for the hearing of God's holy word. And we read in Jesus' name. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out, as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the, from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them to lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for your word. Lord, your word is truth, and you pray that we pray that you would sanctify us by that truth. As we look at this passage from Ezekiel today, Lord, show us our sinfulness and need for a Savior, and point us once again to the finished work of Christ for us. Lord, strengthen our faith and make us ready for your service, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Ezekiel was a prophet of the Lord. And he served God from exile in Babylon. He was carried away to Babylon in captivity in 599 BC. And when Ezekiel began his ministry, the messages that he he was given to proclaim were mainly messages of judgment and condemnation for the people of Israel. You see, they were a rebellious and idolatrous and sinful people. So Ezekiel proclaims their coming judgment. He lets them know that not even Jerusalem will be spared, but instead that holy city too will fall. Ezekiel proclaims both the physical destruction that would come at the hands of Babylon and also the destruction that would come to all who did not repent and believe. He talks about the Lord coming on on the last day to judge sin and wickedness and rebelliousness. But after the fall of the southern kingdom in 597 BC and and the destruction of the temple, the tone of Ezekiel's messages begins to change. He's still a prophet that primarily proclaims judgment, but instead of proclaiming judgment on the people of Israel, Ezekiel begins to proclaim judgment upon the pagan nations. His message that's directed toward the people of Israel becomes one more of hope and of restoration. He talks about the coming Messiah, He talks about the consummation of the age. It wasn't all good news for the people of Israel, though. God still called Ezekiel to call out the sin and idolatry of the people, especially of the leaders in Israel. In the verses that came just before our sermon text in Ezekiel 34, we have the prophet of God calling out the failings and sin of the leaders of the Hebrew people. In verse 2, it says... The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. 
prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves? Should not shepherds have been feeding the sheep? You eat the fat, and you clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound out. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness have you ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd. And they became food for wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. You see, in these days, the leaders of Israel were focused primarily on their own prosperity, their own happiness, their own comfort, instead of doing what they were called to do. They were called to take care of Israel, to take care of the sheep, and most importantly, to point them to God and his promises. In essence, those leaders of Israel were false shepherds. They were more like the hired hands that Jesus talked about in the gospel passage that Pastor Ben read this morning. Like those hired hands, but even worse, because they neglected the sheep even when there was no threat to their lives. Ezekiel goes out and rebukes those wicked and false shepherds of the people. And then, as our sermon text starts, Ezekiel records God speaking about a completely different shepherd. It says, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. The Lord himself is the shepherd who will find his sheep and will provide for them. Contained in this passage are many promises that God has given to his people. He says that he will gather the scattered sheep from, <coughs> excuse me, from all countries and bring them to their own land, that he will feed them, that he will provide for them. He promises to gather up the lost, to bring back the strayed, to bind up the injured, to strengthen the weak. And he also promises justice, saying that he will destroy the fat and the strong. He promises to feed his sheep in justice. These are wonderful promises that have been given to a people who have just been conquered, people that have just been taken away into a foreign land and into captivity. These are promises of restoration, of hope, of justice in the middle of a situation that seems hopeless. But we know from looking back at the history of Israel, God did gather his sheep. He did restore. In 539 BC, the restoration began with the fall of the Babylonian Empire to Persia. And the Persians were led by a king by the name of Cyrus. And God used even this pagan king for his purposes. He sent some of the Hebrew people back to Israel to begin construction on the temple in 536. Now it would take 20 years to rebuild that temple, but it would be rebuilt. And the city's walls would also be restored in 445 BC. God returned some of his people to the land. He restored some of the things that had been lost, including the all-important center of Israel's worship in the temple. But they didn't ever return to their former glory in the days of King David or Solomon. So this was, at best, only a temporary restoration. What's described here in the book of Ezekiel, it, it feels much larger than just the rebuilding of a temple and some walls. 
and a few of the people returning. Plus, that temple that was rebuilt, it only stood for 500 years. It would fall again in 70 AD at the hands of the Roman general Titus, and it would never be rebuilt again. So even though God did restore and gather his people for a time, that can't be what was talked about completely in Ezekiel 34. In our gospel text today, Pastor Ben read about another fulfillment of the promises of God given to Ezekiel. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So here in this passage, we have the second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh, saying that he is the good shepherd and saying that he will do some of the same things that God the Father promised to do in Ezekiel. Jesus would bring in sheep from outside of the fold. He would feed them. He would protect them. He would care for them. And Jesus adds something new. He says he will lay down his life for the sheep. What Jesus had to say wouldn't have fully made sense to the people who heard it in his day. Because what Jesus describes of as being a good shepherd wasn't actually a common practice. You see, no shepherd would lay down their life on purpose. If the shepherd had the goal of dying under the teeth of a wild beast, what would that actually accomplish for the sheep? Well, it wouldn't do anything. Because once the wild beast was finished with the shepherd, they would still go and scatter the sheep. Maybe they would kill some more themselves, but certainly once they were scattered, they would be the prey of whatever else was around. So no shepherd had the goal of dying. They would certainly defend their sheep, but they wouldn't willingly lay down their life in defense of their sheep. We have the benefit of hindsight, no, and we, and we know exactly what Jesus meant when he said the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And right after the reading that Ben did for today, we also hear Jesus saying, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life and I take it back up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. You see, we know exactly what Jesus came to do. He lived the perfect and sinless life that none of us could ever live because we are fallen and sinful human beings. He faced every temptation that we face, but got through all of it without sin. He would be betrayed. He would be arrested. He would suffer, and finally he would be crucified, and he would lay down his life bearing the sins of the world so that we might be forgiven. Three days later, he would rise again so that we might become the first, or that he might become the first fruits of all those who die in the faith. And there would become a sure guarantee that we also had life and life eternal in him. See, Jesus Christ is our good shepherd. He laid down his life and took it back up again that we might be saved. With his life, death, and resurrection, he fulfilled much of what God promised through the prophet Ezekiel to the people of Israel. Even what Jesus accomplished, though, didn't completely fulfill what was promised here in this passage. Because as we take a look around at our world, and especially the church in other parts of the world, we find that in many places the church appears like a flock of sheep that has been scattered, like sheep who are without a shepherd. 
the church in many places is scattered and harassed and even lives as prey. According to Open Doors, last year, on average, every day, more than 16 Christians were killed for their faith. And even here in our own country, which was founded on the ideals of religious freedom, we're seeing a growing hatred for the teachings of Holy Scripture. Those of us who are desire to remain faithful to God and remain faithful to his word are seen as hateful, as closed-minded, and as bigots. Just like Israel and Judah, we have godless leaders who care nothing for the word of God and are concerned only with taking care of themselves. And tragically, even from many of the pulpits in America, we hear things proclaimed that are contrary to God's word and opposed to it. God said he will be like a shepherd to his sheep, that he will gather them in and bind up their wounds, that he would strengthen them and that he would judge the wicked. Jesus claimed to be the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep and took it back up again. And yet, the wicked still seem to be in charge of things. The sheep still seem to be hurting and scattered. So what do we do with this promise given by God through the prophet Ezekiel? You see, God hasn't forgotten that he made this promise. And God hasn't changed his mind either. It's just that we have only seen a partial fulfillment of what God has promised. We saw it first when the exiles got to return and rebuild the temple. Then we saw it in a greater way when God sent Christ to lay down his life for the sake of the sheep. But we're waiting for an even greater fulfillment of these words in Ezekiel 34. And Ezekiel gives us a pretty good hint of when this is going to come to pass. In verse 12, Ezekiel records, As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. That last little phrase, day of clouds and thick darkness, tells us exactly when things will be fulfilled. When you hear language like that in the Old Testament, most times, if not every time, what's being talked about is the great and awesome day of the Lord. It's talking about the return of Christ in glory. It's that day when Jesus returns and judges the living and the dead and makes all things new. When Malachi talks about this day, he he says, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all of the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. On that day, Jesus will separate the sheep from the goats. He will do just as God has promised through Ezekiel. He will destroy the fat and the strong, those wicked leaders who have neglected the care of the sheep and instead only focused on themselves. For those who are not God's sheep, That is, for those who have rejected Christ, that final day will be the greatest of all days to fear because it is the day of judgment. It is the day when they will be eternally separated from God and cast into the lake of fire with Satan and his minions for eternity. But for those that are God's sheep, for all of those who trust in the finished work of Christ, for all of those who hear the voice of the good shepherd and believe, That great and awesome day of the Lord is the day of our redemption. 
It is the day when God will gather all of his sheep together from all times and all places. Paul records about that day in 1 Thessalonians 4. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are left, who are alive, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the air. <coughs> and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. That is the day when God will finally bind up the injured. The day when he will finally strengthen the weak. As Revelation 7 tells us, that is the day when they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them into springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You see, this is the great promise of Ezekiel 34, that Jesus will return. And for those who believe in him, it is the day when we will no longer struggle with sin, with pain, with sickness, with loss, or with death. And it's the day when we will no longer have to walk through this valley of the shadow of death, and we will be with our God and King forevermore. Amen. Bring that day quickly, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for it is truth. We thank you for this passage from Ezekiel 34 that tells us about your return when you will set all things right. Give us an unshakable hope in that day. Allow us to just trust that when it happens, and when Christ returns, you will judge justly and feed the sheep in justice. Give us a longing for that day, Lord, and use us as your witnesses until it comes. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.